Hello fellow sports photographers. My name is All Sports Snapper, or Dean to my family and friends, and I'm a sports photographer working full-time for getting images. Welcome to what I hope will be one of many discussions on mainly sports photography on my show I call the Photography Philosophy Podcast. My guess is that this will be one of many podcasts you'll listen to, so you know the drill. Get in contact with me via Twitter at AllSportsSnapper or my website AllSportsSnapper.com with any questions or suggestions. This show is for sports photographers of any level, so the more feedback I get, the more I can make it suited to what you want. In this fifth episode, I speak to Getty Images New Zealand sports photographer Hannah Johnson. A country tiny in population, not only does it have top athletes in many fields, especially the world-famous and iconic New Zealand rugby team known as the All Blacks, they also have some of the world's best sports photographers. Hannah covers many requirements for Getty in New Zealand, but her love and talent of sports photography has her travelling far and wide from her home in Auckland to cover the biggest events on the sports calendar. We speak about her beginnings freelancing for Getty before getting a staff job, the requirements of shooting a sports brief at an international rugby match, shooting from a catwalk and getting the decisive moment at the Rugby World Cup final, and her goal to be in Rio for the Olympics and the Paralympics. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hello and uh, welcome to Photography Philosophy Podcast. Hello, Hannah. Welcome. Hello. Let's uh, start as we always do with uh, just tell us your um, name and where you're from. My name is Hannah Peters and I'm a photographer with Giddy Images based in Auckland, New Zealand. And you're uh, from Auckland originally? Yes, yeah, born and bred. And uh, can you, uh, we'll start as we always do, where did you, uh, what's your first photography memory? Um, probably when I was about six or seven, taking photos with um, my dad's camera of my cat around the house a lot, <laughs> <laughs> going through rolls and rolls of film, um, basically just shooting my cat for weeks and weeks, which was very expensive for my parents to develop. But um, yeah, that's sort of my first memory. And do you remember that camera? Or do you remember the first camera that you sort of started taking uh, f photos on, like your first real camera maybe even? Uh, well, I started – well, I did photography um, my last two years of school. Um, that was when I first really got my, my first camera, which was just a Canon um, – I can't even remember what it was, but it was just a, a simple Canon, you know, one lens kind of job, uh, film camera, which we did black and white mainly in, um, and developed it and everything at school. So that's sort of, I can't remember my dad's camera, but, um, yeah, that's sort of my first, first real experience. And what about, um, the subject? Like obviously, uh, you, by now, by the late teenage years, you're an expert in taking photos of cats. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> what about your, um, uh, what drew you into what what drew you into how how come how did you end up in sports photography i mean you know did you go um i actually i i've always loved sport um and i guess i was quite different as a i went to an all girls school um i was i was just always in sport really sporty i actually thought i i really wanted to be a sports um physiotherapist with my ultimate dream job would, would be the physio for the All Blacks. That's what I was thinking when I was in my last two years of school, thinking of what I was going to do. Um, and it wasn't till I picked up photography, I guess, as a subject that that's sort of where all my attention went and I just fell in love with it and then didn't realise until leaving school. Well, the day day after my last exam, actually, I went and talked to a um, – a guy who ran a sports photo agency in Auckland and didn't realize that my two kind of passions um, could mix. And up until that point, I was going to go to university, do physiotherapy, kind of go down that line, um, sports physio. But yeah, and then, I mean, photography was my best subject. I spent all my time at school doing it. So I sort of thought, well, I'll give it a go, see what I can, see if I can make the two work together. And um, yeah, just basically learnt on the job, trained up, looking at um, 
heaps of transparencies, sorting out files, just looked at heaps and heaps of pictures for for a few years and shot during the weekends and things and kind of just trained up that way. So Exciting. So you've gone straight out of school um, into into a picture straight, agency? Yeah, straight into a job basically and just um, just sort of fell on the deep end and, and trained trained myself basically or, you know, with help but um, guidance kind of I guess. But, yeah, you just I, I picked up things along the way and, and I think by looking at heaps of professional photographers' pictures over and over again, you sort of pick little things up and that's sort of how I learned anyway. Um yeah, so I found that really good, good experience. That must have been quite a, a thrill, actually, going straight from school into a photography position. That must have been... Yeah, I mean, I guess it was a bit different because everyone, you know, thinks you've got to go to university straight away. Um, or, But I'm very much sort of... In terms of photography, I, I do think it's such a practical um, kind of job, especially sports photography. They, they sort of don't teach that at university it's a bit different um <laughs> to what they teach and yeah I sort of I I think it's actually quite good just to get straight into it and I think I learned a lot more just by doing it practically um and practicing over and over again every weekend rather than learning a whole lot of theory and all that kind of side of things I sort of think it was better for me just to to get straight into it and just look at pictures all the time um that's sort of how I learned best I think so, and uh, what was this uh, agency called? Uh, Photosport. Photosport and uh, Photosport were a big agent, were a big agency in the ne- in the Netherlands, um, sorry, Zealand. Well, <laughs> they were the only. Um, they're sort of the only sports agency um, in in New Zealand who, um, and they're still around. They're like our competitor now with Getty. Um, but it was it was sort of them and PhotoPress, and then Getty Images came into New Zealand and bought out PhotoPress um, and and took over that side, but do news and entertainment as well. So PhotoSport were just sport, um, specialising in sport, which was which was quite cool, good to learn from. Yeah. And uh, when, how did, uh, so then how did you go from working for the now competitor to working for Getty Images? How did that come about? Uh, so I spent five and a half years at Photosport and then um, I decided to go freelancing. So I went freelancing for, I think, two years, um, two and a half years and had a set, I, I had, I started off with three days a week um, on contract for Getty Images um, as a freelancer and then doing other work on the side. And then it sort of grew from that into um, four or five days a week. And then an opening came up because Sandra Moo went and had a baby. And so um, we kind of basically just swapped roles and I was able to uh, take her staff position. They offered me a staff position at Giddy and um, she went on maternity leave. So it just it was really good timing um, and worked out really well. So um, Sandra Moo was a staff photographer at Getty Images uh, back then as well, wasn't she? Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, and um, now how? Why do you for, when you were doing the freelance work? What were you doing for the? Was it all sport as well for freelance, or were you doing other things on the side as well? Um, a lot of a lot of sport, and then just um, uh, we do a lot of. Uh, so here in New Zealand, you've kind of got a because it's so small. Um, you sort of have to do everything a bit. Um, so news, entertainment, maybe some weddings on <coughs> weddings on the side, that kind of thing. Um, this it's, it's too small a market to really, really specialise kind of thing as opposed to Europe maybe, um, for instance. But, yeah, so I was sort of doing a, a real mixture of stuff, which is quite good because then when you come back to shooting sport, it's you're fresh and it's really exciting again because you've, you've shot stuff that maybe you're not so passionate about on the other days. And then you come to the weekend and, and you might be shooting a sports game, which I really love. So yeah, it keeps it, it keeps it exciting, I think. And um, just the, the jobs, did they change very much? I know you're saying you're doing three days a week as a freelancer for Getty and then you've gone to a full-time staff. I mean, how did, how did your, how did that change? How did that change your work, um, your, your work week? I guess um, I think well, it's given me more opportunities. That's for sure. Um, going on staff in terms of um, 
going to bigger events internationally. Um, and that was one of the things that I was working towards. And I really, that was sort of my, it's been a big goal of mine to, to get overseas and stuff to, to different events, um, which has been cool. Uh, and and you get more you sort of get more responsibility as a staff member because um, there's a lot of planning involved, a lot of other stuff that goes on behind the scenes um, that we do down here instead of like we don't just go out and shoot. We all are quite actively involved in terms of because um, it's just a small team in terms of planning and say the sales side of things and and that kind of thing, which I found re- I I really like actually. It mixes it up a bit so. Yeah, it's good. So, can you um, can we dive into that a little bit? So, um, uh, in Europe, uh, where I'm in the Netherlands, where I'm based, you know, we get all our, our jobs out of uh, the UK um, and Germany and our German office as well. Um, so, you say that you guys are involved a bit more. So, what's what's the how big's the team in uh, New Zealand, and uh, what other things apart from photography do you do there? So we have, um, it's myself and another staffer in Auckland for Walter. So there's just two of us based in Auckland. And then we have um, a whole lot of freelance photographers contracted to us um, all around the country to help us cover the whole of New Zealand um, in terms of sport, news, entertainment, the whole lot. Um, and then we've got three three sales um, guys and, and we've got a little office in town in Auckland. Um so three sales guys who are who all sort of specialise in different areas that run the sales for the whole of New Zealand. But our, my main um, boss and team, I guess, um, wh- where I get my instructions from come out of our head office in Sydney. Uh, so, But we work a lot in terms of the planning of sport because we know the country quite well. Phil and I will work in with Shane in Sydney, um, our sports editor, uh, in terms of coverage that we need or anything that's coming up or um, and help him with, with planning along with the rest of the team in terms of news and stuff um, because they can't – they've got the whole of Asia Pack to run. Um, so it's quite helpful if we can – because we're sort of on the ground, we can keep an eye on the, the breaking news stories, that kind of thing, so we can – alert them if something big's happening and, and head out and shoot it or arrange a freelancer to quickly get to a job if, you know, because it's just faster. So we help a lot with the scheduling and running of, of stuff down in New Zealand. Okay. And, so, uh, yeah. And the uh, and do you keep an eye on the entertainment and the news side of it as well or is it just the sports side that you're, uh, you're focused on? Uh, no, we try and keep across all of it. So it's really busy, um, especially – breaking news so you're sort of always a bit on call um in terms of I mean sports quite easy to plan because it's all scheduled and everything like that um news is is quite hard because we don't work with journalists so finding out about breaking news stories or or um any kind of news event that's happening is a lot harder for us so we're constantly you've got to you know keep on Twitter, all the Twitter news feeds coming through. You've got to keep on top of all the news websites, um, constantly listening to the radio in my car as I drive around kind of thing. Um, just trying to keep on top of any kind of uh, big news story that might be breaking. Um, so, yeah, that's a big part of it. So you're sort of always on call a little bit. So it's fairly busy, yeah. Now you're going to have to help me out a bit here. Like how – what's the – what's – What's been the like the latest breaking news in the, in, in New Zealand though? Like, it's, 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 <laughs> well, you might that... think we've got no news, but we we, uh, <laughs> we do sometimes. Um, well, uh, for instance, today um, uh, a guy held up a hole. Um, a guy got shot in in the middle of um, a little town called Upper Hutt, which is north of Wellington. Um, and so that was sort of a breaking news story and it was um, happening throughout the whole day. So we had to kind of, we had to work out, is it big enough to cover? Um, as it's developing, you kind of see, okay, is it is it getting bigger and bigger? And it turned out, you know, it's leading the news. It's the biggest news story of the day. So you decide, yep, this is going to turn into something. We'll, we'll get a freelancer there to get some pictures, cover it, see what happens. There'll be a police press conference later on the day. So you make sure you cover that and, and just try and get any kind of pictures around the whole news event. Um, so it's stuff like that that's happening 
which globally is is nothing necessarily, but um, we have a lot of uh, domestic clients um, who are wanting that constant sort of news feed delivered as well as the sport. Um, so it's quite important to keep up with and, and keep on top of and, and get to the news as, as fast as we can if, it, if it's a big enough story. So that's sort of how it works. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. I mm. didn't know that. That's always yeah. good to know. <laughs> yeah. um, so what? now we'll go back, heading a bit more back towards the sports side. Like you – uh, well, how many news jobs do you think you would shoot then on a on a monthly basis, say? Um, oh, probably, I don't know, 10, 10 to 15 maybe. Oh, um, wow, okay. So you're quite active yeah, in the news. We're, and... Yeah, we've got to try and, um, uh, depending, I mean, sometimes, some months there'll be a lot of news happening and then other months are really slow. But <clears throat> um, it just depends, uh, you know. What, what's kind of happening. The, the other side that we shoot a lot of now are um, like commercial briefs um, and commercial kind of jobs. A lot of that's happening during the week. So the sales guys will will get um, paid assignment work during the week and then that's assigned um, to us and then so we have to shoot to a brief um, and that kind of thing. And that, that could be sport-related or, uh, or anything really like commercial kind of jobs as well so it's it's that's sort of the other side of of stuff that we do as well i mean without going into too much detail could you give us like an um give uh, our listeners an example of like what would a commercial brief uh, just say we'll, we'll we'll stick to the sport like a, yeah. a sports commercial brief comes through from the sales team what uh what's uh, your what's how's that different from the editorial side of uh from shooting right so um well for instance on monday i had to shoot um the hundred hundred days um till the Paralympics the Rio Paralympics for Paralympics New Zealand so it, it was a it was an editorial event that they put on but I was there shooting for Paralympics New Zealand so I had a a brief as in a whole list of shots that they're requiring which I probably wouldn't have have shot um editorially I would have just just focused on the stuff that made pictures basically um so yeah you get a brief from the client and uh you work through that it, it's you work closely with the client make sure they've they've got everything then they need and then we deliver it um in different ways rather than just going up on on getty images after the event as well so that the client has access so that's an example in in terms of at a say at an all blacks game for instance we might have a brief um to shoot for a particular sponsor. So in Vestic, for instance, they sponsor a lot of the rugby championship here. Um, and they might have a brief that they want all their signage in the background of, of shots. So, um, or they want the kickoff with Investic signage all over the, over the ground. So you've got to go up high, cover that all off. And then uh, with the All Blacks, you've got to make sure you've got three players or more in the shot. Um, so it sounds easy, but getting three players or more in the shot with Investic signage behind is actually quite an art to do that. Yeah, it's quite hard sometimes. Um, so that's an example of a brief for, for at, at, at a live game, which can happen. Okay, so I just explain. I think the because um, we do something we do very similar things over here. Yeah, uh, the three people in front of the board is because if you shoot one player in front of a board. Um, that implies that that person is being sponsored by yeah. whatever it may be. So right. once you get three or four people in front of that board, then it can be considered like a general action yeah. shot, which um, which the uh, the sponsor who's paying for you to be there can then mm-hmm. use that picture without sort of uh, without uh, making anyone look to uh, yeah focused on that. You know, like I yes. said, it's so yeah, yeah okay. All right, cool. Um, so then, what sport do you? What's your, what's your main? Uh, you know, you're a New Zealander, so uh, mm-hmm. my guess is you're going to say rugby. Uh, <laughs> what, what do I mainly mainly shoot? Yeah, you what's your what's yeah. your main sport? It's it's got to be mainly rugby, doesn't it? Yes, it's like you on football, I guess. Um, yes. Yeah, our bread and butter is is rugby. I guess it's every week, all week, uh, kind of uh, all year, pretty much. Now I don't. I think they only have about a month, month and a half off now between seasons and then you get straight back into pre-season and trainings and all that sort of stuff so it's pretty much all year round um this year is a bit different because now they're leaving 
for the World Cup for nine weeks, so there's no more All Blacks. But in terms of there's still a whole lot of domestic rugby um, every week going on, which we need to cover and things like that. So, yeah, it's definitely rugby. Yeah, I found that I've, – I've always found that a bit strange, actually, that you'd have a Rugby World Cup and then the domestic uh, competition still continue. That's uh... – yeah. Yeah, it's, a, well, it's an interesting yeah. one, isn't it? Because like you see that with the football, um, with the soccer World Cup, you know, it's in the off season as it would be um, for the domestic uh, and club teams, but the rugby it still continues on. But then again, all their best players are gone. Is that that that's right, isn't it? Yeah, I guess um, we've got heaps of depth here. So the national competition is actually quite good, even without the All Blacks. So um, it just keeps rolling around, I guess. Yeah, it's different sponsorship, different market, I guess. I don't know how many people will be watching it once the World Cup starts, but, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> so, yeah. You're not ha- – and uh, who's uh, who's New Zealand sending over with the team this time? Uh, normally the, we have a photographer that follows each uh, of the larger teams. So Australia have got a photographer and uh, New Zealand. Have, yes. Who's uh, coming over this year with uh, with the All Blacks? Yeah, so Phil's going over for Walter. Um so he actually leaves on Thursday, I think, and he's away for, yeah, nine weeks, I think it is. So it's a very long, quite a long tour, quite a long he's time. In, he's uh, embedded with the team as well, isn't he? He does all the training, yeah. all the press conferences, all yep. the games, obviously. Yep. Um, does he get any uh, any extra access as well? Do you know Do you know if he does or you're not, not too sure? Um, yeah, there will be a little bit of extra access. I mean, I think as the as as New Zealand touch would get close to the final, if we make it, um, it, it always tightens up a bit because everyone gets a bit nervous and stressed, um, in the team. So, um, but yeah, he will get a little bit extra access just at training sessions and maybe, um, be able to, you know, shoot some portraits of players, which other media, uh, won't be able to have that kind of access. Um, but in terms of getting that access, it's, you know, you work quite hard at that forming that relationship over the last few years. So it's a real build-up of getting a really good relationship, and then you get get that access when the big the big tournaments come around, um, which is quite crucial in in a World Cup, for instance, uh, where it's really tight and um, sort of limited to to all the other media. Yeah, so it pays off when when the big tournaments come around. Yeah, we had Getty uh, bought um, an agency that was run by, is it Ross Land? Is that is that the name that uh, yes, the belt to you? Yes, that's Photo Press, yeah. Yes, and uh, Ross had been working with the All Blacks for uh, many years. That's right, isn't it? Mm-hmm, yep. How many years do you remember? Uh, by any chance? Quite, I have no idea. Quite a lot, yeah. He'd do every All Blacks game and every tour and things, yeah. So that's how when Getty bought um, the uh, bought the agency, then he then sort of Getty inherited the All Blacks. Is that right? Is that in, in um, the contract, or we still had to build a, obviously still, a new? Yeah, so had to build a relationship. I mean, Ross Land worked for for Getty Images for a while, so we still sort of had that connection there. Um, and then when Ross uh, left, we we had to build it up again. Um, I guess you'd say, yeah. And also, people within the All Blacks team and environment they change as well. So you've got to start from scratch you know the coaches change or the the manager or the you know media liaison kind of change so you've sort of you've always got to you know keep on top of that relationship and keep building it yeah okay well uh, that leads us um very nicely to a one of your uh iconic shots um <laughs> I've been i wouldn't go that your... far yeah <laughs> Well, I'm looking at your photos, and obviously, um, uh, I tweeted a, a few weeks ago how um, how any photographer should look at your pictures and say that this is how you l- use light in uh, photog- in sports photography. Yeah. But um, one of your pictures that um, well, I was going to say stand out, but they're all very strong images. Uh, one of your pictures from the last World Cup final, which uh, was in New Zealand, and mm-hmm. which the All Blacks had won for the first time in um, many years. Yes. It was two. Too long between drinks, as they say, for um, for the uh, All Black team to, uh, especially with the quality of plays that they do have. Mm-hmm. Um, so, can you just describe that uh, that photo that I'm talking about and um, a little bit about it, please? Yeah. So this is um, yeah the moment the final whistle happened, um, and I'm actually up in the roof of um, the North Stand of Eden Park, um, and so I was all harnessed into the 
basically in the lighting tower um, of Eden Park. So I had fireworks happening behind me. Um, so we all had earplugs and that kind of thing. So I'm all harnessed in and the whole game, you know, you're really nervous. Where's, where's the winning winning celebrate? The, the only shot that matters from the World Cup is really, you know, who wins, what happens then, and, and the reaction kind of thing, the jubilation or dejection. Um, so I was a bit nervous about, oh, what if it's over the other side of the field or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I'd been running up this this sort of catwalk light tower all 80 minutes harnessed in with a guide um, <laughs> attached to me. And, yeah, so it was a pretty tense game. And then um, the final whistle, whistle happened, and luckily I just sort of had just sprinted back um, from where they'd been. So I just managed to get back with my harness, reattach it, that kind of thing. Um, and then that happened and, and it just framed up really well with the French guy being in there as well to give it some context. Um, and yeah, there's a player lying down, sort of looking up, uh, looking dejected. Um, yeah. yeah. And you've got all the uh, All Blacks sort of embracing and yeah. arms spread out and yeah, it's, it looks almost like a, a from from what it, I can tell, it looks like a lot of relief as well, yeah. not just celebration. It's more relief, obviously, because no, that was a home relief. final and yeah, the pressure, a lot of the pressure. pressure. Yeah, yeah, huge pressure. Um, I was actually very nervous because the game was really tight um, and it wasn't actually going our way for a very long time. So I was I was pretty nervous. My heart was kind of pounding, but um, yeah, when something comes together, I I, I just like it because often. When, when you're on pitch side at rugby, you can't get that many, you can't sort of sum up a moment um, that easily because you're often just getting two or three players maybe. It, people sort of spread out quite a lot in rugby um, at final whistle until they all finally come together. But when it re- when it happens, you sort of want to sum it up. And I think being up high like that, um, it kind of gets a lot of players and a lot of stuff to look at in the one picture, which I quite like about it. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I also just like the fact that for me personally, it was really hard to get physically because I I had been harnessed in. It was, it was a really tense game, and uh, running up and down a catwalk wasn't easy. Um, and, it was, and I'm not I'm not that good with heights, so I was pretty freaked out for a while there. And then we had massive bangs behind us, fireworks going off um, as I'm shooting, and and it's all happening at once. So it's quite quite an adrenaline, you know, it's, it's pretty full on, um, quite stressful, but yeah, really, really awesome at the end of it. I, when I sort of relaxed a bit, it was good. It's cool. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the shot and uh, yeah, you're definitely right. The, the player, the, the French player sort of just dropping to the ground. Yeah. Sort of does, it does. Yeah. Exhausted yeah. and you know, they've lost it. And I mean, yeah, it was a, a quite a, it's a strong image. And can, what, what were you using up there? Like you were saying, you're um, up high. You, yeah. you, you're not as mobile as you'd like to be. You know, you've got to. You obviously, you don't want to drop anything onto the no. yeah. onto the ground, onto the fans. <laughs> yeah, so, was, so everything was got, harnessed in. Yeah, everything's harnessed in. Everything yeah. you've sort of got everything attached. Um, mm-hmm. Are you swapping lenses up there, or is it sort of you've got your seventy-two hundred and a, a four hundred? I'm guessing. Yeah, is that I right, had a four hundred and a seventy-two. This is shot with a seventy-two hundred. Um, okay. That was the other decision I was nervous about because you don't know where it's going to happen. And I was constantly in two minds, you know, 400, 7200, 400. And as you're reading the game, you're kind of, you know, you're sort of, and then I just made the decision um, when I saw that they were coming over to my side of the field, I've just got to go loose just in case they all kind of collapse on the floor or, you know, something, they all spread out kind of thing happened. Um, Otherwise I'd be far too tight. So it was a good decision in hindsight. Um, But that's another quick kind of call You've got to sort of, you just got to make, I guess. And I guess, I think experience kind of comes to pl- into play there a bit um, and luck, but you kind of get to know if you've been shooting, for instance, the All Blacks for a while, you sort of also know what they're going to do, um, which helps. So you know that they're not really a team that go berserk. Um, they don't they don't run around, take their shirts off, that kind of thing. So you sort of know that they're all they're all just going to hug each other. They always do, um, and that's kind of what happens. So I sort of knew that that would would probably be the extent of it. But yeah, so I was just lucky, I guess, with that. Well, you say luck, but yeah, you make your own luck. But like you mm. said, if you if you've got a knowledge of the the players, um, yeah, it does help. Yeah. 
Oh, massive. Yeah, yeah huge. Massive, massive yeah. help. Yeah. And how and how did you end up in the roof? I mean, was that a, a, your decision or was that a decision that was made by – because I'm guessing uh, – I mean, I know, but I'm guessing that uh, <laughs> <laughs> there was quite a few uh, – you know, the boss, uh, was it uh, Stu or, or Stu. Steve at the time? Stu yep, was, Stu uh, was there, yeah. Yeah, Stu was, um, made a decision about who was going to go where. Was that, uh, was that call made for you? Yeah, so they – they just made a call based on, I think we had maybe 10 or 11 at the final photographers. Ten, so 10 or 11 photographers well, I think it ended up, from Getty Images at yeah, one final. Yeah, it was final. huge. It okay. was massive. Um, and Stu even, uh, uh, he shot at the end. He shot a really nice frame, um, as always. It <laughs> just co- comes in at the final and nails it um, of Richard McCall walking off with the with the World Cup. So that was pretty cool, um, him picking up a camera. But, yeah, so um, – we all had a position and, you know, we sort of did a floor plan of a uh, plan of the ground and marked out where everyone was going to go. Um, and yeah, you're just working in a team, which I love. And, and so you just, all you want to do is you get your position. You want to do the best you can. And that, you know, with what you've got, I didn't really care where I, where I went. I was just lucky to, to get up on the roof. I was really stoked with that. Um, but it wouldn't have mattered, to be honest, where I where I was. And just you know, the game can either go your way or not. And when you're working in a team, at least you know, well, you know, we've got that corner covered absolutely. So it doesn't really, you know, you just shoot what you can basically and try and document the game as best you can as it comes your way. So I think that's yeah. one of the differences that um, that I find. You know, speaking to freelance photographers, you know, they they shoot everything from. You know, not always, but you know, there's a lot of freelance photographers who shoot you know everything that happens on the other side of the pitch. Whereas when we work as a team at these games, that yeah, you've yeah. you've just got to make sure you get what's in front of you and, um, and get it. your corner or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the the difference again. I mean, when you've got mm. ten, I mean, I think it was in. I mean, I remember working uh, as an editor in Beijing, and there was I think it was fifteen or sixteen photographers shooting the one hundred meter final, and mm-hmm. I mean it's. Yeah. <laughs> you should have it covered if you've got that. <laughs> you should if we it, don't, right? if we don't have you it, don't then, then yeah. <laughs> you, there's something wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but the yeah. Uh, the only um, problem I think we had back then was just the amount of images that you know from ten seconds of uh, oh, or no, less than ten yeah. seconds of of running, and then all the the ingesting of images to our laptops. Mm-hmm. Was a uh, was quite a hit for our computers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They <laughs> slowed down quite a lot. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I think that's really that's what I I think that's what I love most is when you well that was why I really wanted to to go to um you know my big goal was was the Olympics and things and I just to work in a massive team like that I think it really helps you because as a photographer because you either um. Well, I just learned so much off, off all the other photographers just by being around them. Seeing, I mean, I'm looking at their work all the time anyway, but just sort of meeting them in person and actually seeing the preparation and planning that, that goes into big events worldwide, I, that was a real, um, yeah, it just changes the way you sort of go to an event down here because I think down here you can sort of get caught up and it's quite small and everyone knows each other and it's kind of, you know, oh, we shoot rugby all the time and it's sort of just another rugby game kind of thing. Um, but if you actually, if you're in a group of, you know, four photographers in an All Blacks game or, and if you actually plan it properly, you're going to get a much better result, you know, as a, as a set of pictures, which I'm sort of, yeah, I'm quite passionate about, I guess. I like, I like working in sort of a, a good group of, of people. It really helps. It's always, it's always good as well to get that... Um... You know, like you said, you know, I look at the website as our own website. You know, there's a lot of photographers from the states, and you know, now obviously I know yourself and uh, Phil from uh, New Zealand, and I know all the Aussie guys. But it's sort of taken uh, the big events to get everybody together, and then from the names and oh wow, they're great images, and then finally meeting the person as well. It changes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sort of, you I get to meet so. the people that you've been admiring their work for for so long as well. Yeah, yeah, which I really like. Yeah. All right, cool. so now let's um, now you've. You're at a, you're on your way to your match. You've taken some photos, and uh, just run. Can you just quickly run through your workflow? How to um, from from shutter to sending? How how do how do you work? Um, so at a uh, yeah at a game situation, depending on whether I'm running the sideline or or static. If I'm static, can you explain that? 
Can you just All explain right. that as well for us? So roving um, is me basically running up and down, trying to keep ahead of the play and um, anticipating what's going to happen in a game and getting it ahead of all the players, stopping, <clears throat> kneeling down, shooting, getting up, running, stopping, getting down, you know, back and forth, back and forth for 80 minutes. Um, and static is sitting down one end a lot like football um, and you're in that place for, for the whole game or changing halves at halftime, but you're pretty much in one corner or one end of the field for the whole 80 minutes. And if if I do that, then I'll have my laptop set up beside me and I'll be um, shooting frames, tagging, a, tagging them on the back of my camera and then putting them into my laptop straight away and filing and shooting at the same time as soon as I've got a picture. Um, and if I'm roving, I'll probably, I'll have my computer out on the field and I'll just drop cards into it when I can. Um, or if, if there's a break in play or whatever, I'll go and quickly send a picture. Um, so there's sort of a constant need now with, with websites. It's all about speed, um, in terms of getting pictures out as fast as we can. And that's what clients want. So, uh, and that's sort of the aim of the game is to, to nail the pictures and, and, and get the best shots you can um, and then get them out to the press as, as fast as you can. So do you have lots of um, – do you have deadlines from matches? Obviously, the later or matches in the evening um, on a mm. Saturday evening or whatever it may be. Um, has that changed as well over the last uh, few years? Uh, yeah, well, I think um, – so generally our rugby kicks off at 7.30 at night here. Um for a big game and the when when social media and, and websites and um, all that weren't as prevalent and it was just all about the newspapers, it, it was a bit more, you know, you could send a picture at half time or towards the end of the half. But now that websites are constantly updating and, and social media is out there, um, the, the demand for pictures more or less, you know, five, ten minutes into a game um, – it, yeah, it's just really high. So I basically try and get a picture out or a couple of frames out. You've just got to try and send anything um, after that first kind of five, ten minutes of a game and then and then just keep filing as, as much as you can throughout the game um, because a lot of websites now are doing galleries, like running galleries uh, during the game, and, and they're constantly updating as well. So we've got to keep fresh pictures coming through to them as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um can I just ask, like the? I mean, I don't do that much rugby. Um, I have done matches, but I always was pretty uh, in the static position um, using my football knowledge. Right. Uh, do you? How how does the static versus the um, you know running up and down the sidelines? Uh, how, how does that change the pictures? What's what's the main difference in the pictures that you find? Um. So I think running running a rugby game is quite useful. Obviously, I'll, I'll run if I'm the only photographer there and we don't have anyone else covering um, uh, because you you can cover all the injuries. Um, if the game's not going your way and you're stuck down one end, then you're not going to get any pictures. You've, you've really got to stick with the play because rugby can be very back and forth or it can be really one-sided. So you've sort of got to, um, yeah, Keeping ahead of the play, anything that happens, you know, there might be a yellow card or whatever, and if you're down the other end, that's not going to work. So that's where roving's really good. Um, you also can eliminate um, a lot of the messy backgrounds if you're running because you're a lot closer to the players, um, and you'll have them often, they'll run lines where it'll come towards you on the sideline rather than, uh, which is different from being static, where they're sort of going sideways. So it just, I think it creates, yeah, there are good and bad things. I mean, obviously, it's a lot more tiring. Um, and obviously, with roving, you know, it, it can really backfire because there might be an intercept or there might be a breakaway try or and you just don't make it, you know, and that's, that's just sort of part of it. You're not going to get everything. Um, and so that can happen as well. But there are pros and cons of everything. Um, of yeah, of course. Positions. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say keeping ahead of the play, though. Like when you're carrying again, I'm guessing you're shooting on the 400. Would that be your standard sort of uh, yeah, standard so equipment? 
I run with a 400 mil and on one hand um, on one body and then a 70 to two on on the other body. Yeah. So you got 7200 and um, and yeah, um, I mean it's pretty difficult though to keep ahead of the play when you've got all that equipment. Yeah. And you're, you're you're keeping uh, ahead of some of the fastest players uh, in the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. especially the wingers. Um, yeah, you just sort of it's all about reading the play and also depending on who they're playing. Um, you know, the All Blacks, for instance, you can easily sort of. Uh, you know if it's going to be really one-sided. It's when they're playing, you know, Australia or England would be a tight game or something like that. South Africa is always tight. You know it's going to be quite a hard game to shoot because it's going to be back and forth, back and forth. Um, and, yeah, but, I mean, the good thing now is that rugby's changed a little bit and that it's a lot more running rugby. There, there's not as much... Um, what England, how England used to play a lot of kicking back and forth, which used to drive me nuts. Um, so you'd, you'd sprint down one end and then, you know, you think you're there and you think a team's going to attack and then they just kick it back, you know. So that's that's quite frustrating. Um, but, no, the All Blacks play a brand of rugby, which is actually quite good to shoot, um, which, is, which is good. You've just got to be quite fit, yeah, and strong. <laughs> And I've just come back from the gym and I'm feeling very weak. So, <laughs> but yeah. you do actually have to, I have to go to the gym to try and people say, oh, you, you mustn't have to go, you know, you don't need to go to the gym because you carry all that stuff. Um, but it's a different type of fitness and, and being a female, I've got to kind of, it's muscles that I'm not very good with, like, <laughs> like back <laughs> muscles. And I don't have massive neck and bicep muscles, you know, like guys do. So, um, and it's all in your shoulders and things, so I've got to try and strengthen those to try and. Um, I don't think there's one photographer that doesn't have back problems, to be honest. Um, sports photographer, no. that's for sure. You'd have back, <laughs> yeah, you'd have back issues. We all do. So, yeah. so there's a lot of physio going on and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of um, maintenance. Um, yeah, to keep, very high to maintenance. Keep, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've actually I actually do yoga, uh, oh, yeah, which actually of, helps with the stretching yeah. of the back and keeping a bit more nimble. So yeah, um, a lot of people say that. Yeah, yeah, it does help. It. Yeah, well, you know that you bring up a good um, a good point uh, point there with um, which I I wanted to bring up was um, you're a female in a very male dominated world. How 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 difficult was it to get the respect that you deserved as a photographer um, being a woman, especially in, you know, the macho land of, uh, <laughs> of rugby. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's taken a while. I've been doing this since 2001, I guess. Um, I think, and no, it's never really phased me. I don't, I don't think, um, I've never considered myself any different. I think the main thing is you, prove yourself and you get respect through how you shoot and who you are and I um don't get treated any differently like from other photographers it's it's pretty we're all kind of friends and respectful of each other and I don't see myself as any different just for being female never have really um yeah I've kind of just got on with it I it's very male dominated but um yeah, it doesn't bother me at all, really. A lot of people ask me that. It, I think because I've always loved sport um, and I've always kind of been in that environment as a female and it it's nothing new to me. It, it, you know, people might look – I mean, I do get a lot of sexist comments and things from drunk fans on the, on the, <laughs> on the sidelines and stuff like that, but I think that that's just not – you know, you just block it out because you just focus on the game and stuff. That's fine. Um yeah, but no. I, yeah, I, I think uh, all photographers get abuse from uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you were <laughs> from well, drug you fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just one of those things. Um, I yeah. think the New Zealand the, the New Zealand crowd's probably a bit better than some of the um, football oh, stadiums yeah, where yeah. I you, yeah we yeah. get we get things thrown at us, which is oh, um, yeah. I've had that as yeah. well actually, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, the uh, the football fans are pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, we have. There's always a, a section which um, doesn't matter how nice and courteous you are to uh to yeah. them or to anyone around you it doesn't matter that you're a you're a target for throwing a coin or a bottle uh, or a yeah. yeah or a 
the other one I get, which um, I've noticed a lot more in Germany, is uh, you get beer thrown at you when they score a goal, which I can't understand oh. why someone would want to throw their beer after scoring a goal. Because then yeah, yeah. after the celebration's finished, you're like, oh, no, I need to get another beer now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It doesn't quite work, yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't, it never made sense to me, sorry. No, no. <laughs> All right, so um, you've, what do you look for when you go to a venue? Um, you know, you mentioned before the backgrounds are important. Um, can you just explain, uh, you know, do you have uh, positions that you go to in certain stadiums that you think, okay, this is the best background, or are you always trying something different at, at the same grounds? Um. Yeah, we're pretty limited. Well, here our grounds are not um, – not all of the grounds are international kind of standard, um, I guess you'd say. You're not – I mean, here we have a lot of security guards and, and horrible um, kind of billboards a lot. So you're sort of – before each match, you're kind of working out uh, which angle is best, where you're going to – you know, crowd versus no crowd, where you're going to get rid of – you know, an ugly billboard on the background or how you're going to do that, that kind of thing. So different grounds, I mean, you do get to learn which which grounds, you know, you know which sideline is going to work for the backgrounds and which sideline isn't. So you generally work with that at um, grounds that you go to all the time, like Eden Park or whatever. You sort of know where the, where the best light is in the corners and stuff like that. Um, because some, some grounds it can be dark in one corner and, and bright light in the other because the lighting's a bit inconsistent here. So, yeah, you, you do pick up the more you shoot. Um, Is that the stadium? Little... You're talking about the stadium lights, are you? The stadium lights yeah, are the stadium brighter lighting. in one side. Yeah, it can be a bit patchy in, in some stadiums here. So um, you get to work that out and also, um, change, you know, change the lighting changes a lot stadium to stadium so we often do a manual white balance um especially if there's a a group of us um shooting a game we'll often do a white balance before the match and and see how it looks so that we're all getting consistently um lit shots and stuff yeah, that so looks good on the website yeah yeah so everyone's so when the set of pictures are all put together everyone's pictures look uh you know it's all you consistent got, yeah yeah consistent okay yeah. That's important, I guess, too. Yeah. And you, um, I, I mean, you know rugby inside out, I guess. So, uh, you're not you're looking every day at the uh, the news stories or players that are looking at, you know, like I said, the football being transferred or or look at like they're yeah. coming back from injury or stuff. I, I'm guessing you follow that on a on yeah. a personal um, well, note, pretty, anyway. Yeah, it dominates the news here anyway. I mean, it, it would be like football in in Europe. You you know who's hot one week, you know, all that news kind of angle is really important. So you know what the papers are going to be wanting um, at a particular game. You you know if, if someone, a particular player goes down injured, you're going to know if it's going to be a massive story or not. So whether um, I've had cases where someone will, will go down injured and it's a big player and you're around the other side of the field. So you've basically got to sprint um, <laughs> to the other side because it might be in the other corner or whatever and, and you know you've got to get that picture so you've just got to make it no matter what kind of thing um, so that can happen things like that but that's all about yeah research and, and being on top of the news angle as well um, is quite important yeah you don't just turn up and and shoot a game you've you kind of just got to know that stuff um, before you go Okay, and uh, we've we've mentioned it a few times. You've got your four hundred mil and uh, your seventy to two hundred mil um, mm-hmm. zoom lens. Uh, what uh, what are you shooting on? What uh, what other lenses do you use? Uh, what's your standard kit for your a uh, day at the office? Uh, during a sporting match, or yeah, yeah, yeah. sports. Yeah, sport um, is generally the, those are my two go to lenses, I guess. Um, four hundred and seventy to two hundred, all on Canon DXs um, at the moment. And I generally go around with uh, either a, a twenty four to seventy. Um, I really like that lens as well and uh sixteen thirty five, but I'm starting to use the twenty four to seventy more um, these days. So I just keep it really simple. Um, for sport there's you don't want to be too bogged down with with lenses and things I find it too complicated um as well when in the heat of the moment I just like to keep it simple so that I'm not confusing myself and and that kind of thing 
Um, and you said the twenty four seventy. Now the twenty four seventy. Do you have a third body for that one, or is that just the? Are you just swapping that on the seventy two hundred? I'm just swapping it generally, but um, yeah, depending on what's happening. I mean, if there's going to be a trophy presentation or stuff happening after, where I've got to do a lap around the field with the players, um, they might be celebrating a, a trophy being won or something like that. Obviously, I'll swap out the four hundred uh, for a shorter lens and, and then go around with the players on the field. Okay, now um, I ask this question to everyone. Uh, maybe uh, your boss um, is Stu. Stu runs uh, Asia Pack. So if Mr. Hannigan is uh, listening, is there any <laughs> lenses that you wish you had? And uh... <laughs> um, no, I'm not. I'm I'm not really like a big tech kind of geek, um, like a lot of photographers. I don't know. I'm not. I, I've just tried the new. Uh, down at the Winter Game, New Zealand Winter Games, uh, last couple of weeks, I, I tried from Canon the the sixteen to thirty five f four, which was awesome for <clears throat> outdoor. I mean, you could like I've used it in in um, dark situations as well because the the new cameras are awesome at high ISO anyway, um, and I just found it yeah I found it really sharp because I've I've stopped sort of using my old. 1635 because it was just becoming a bit muzzy and kind of favoured the 24 to 70. But um, yeah, the new 1635, I was quite impressed with it because it was really light, pin sharp, um, yeah, and quite versatile. Found it really good. That f4, I've, I have used yeah. that lens. Yeah, I think uh, the, especially the 1635 for me at the 28 is, um, it's. I'm not really, yeah, I don't really like that one. But, no, yeah. it's. Uh, I think after it takes a few knocks, it doesn't seem to uh, handle the abuse that the sports photographers uh, no. give to it when <laughs> we, they're dragging, yeah. wheeling it around there, on those cobbled roads. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. You, know. you never want to buy a sports photographer's camera gear off, off Trade Me or eBay or something. Yeah. Buy it off <laughs> somebody who hasn't used it properly. <laughs> yeah, 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 because we do knock our gear around a lot. Yeah. So, uh, so how, how, when. When you um, changed over, going back a little bit, when you changed over from um, from you know New Zealand agency to international Getty Images, um, did was there a big change in the equipment you used and, and computers and everything like that, or was it pretty much just the only thing that changed was the name on the on the front of the door? Um, no, so I mean, when I was yeah, when I was freelancing and working for Photosport, I owned um, all my own camera gear, so that was sort of like taking out a mortgage um quite expensive <laughs> but uh yeah and so awesome sort of um part of going on staff was I got a full kit of gear from Getty Images which was amazing um which is pretty cool and it's always updated um pretty much when new cameras and things come out which is great um so that's definitely one of the advantages of being on staff um which is cool. And I had actually had an accident uh, in the water <laughs> right when I was freelancing just before I got offered a staff position, which was quite good timing. But I, I basically, I was shooting a news job. It was a memorial service and I lost um, a 300 mil, my own gear, 300 mil, two bodies, a flash, um, a 1635, I think it was. Uh, all under the water so I, I got knocked over by a wave um, so that, that was quite devastating so in terms of um, yeah if I'd stayed freelance I would have had to fork out again for a new kit so it's a very expensive hobby if you're not making any money out of it so I guess that's one of the real advantages of, of being on staff with a big agency which is so, awesome. Hang on you were <laughs> on the water in a boat with all your equipment, and no, then a wave came? Not in a boat. I was st standing um, in a West Coast beach out of Auckland, which is quite notorious, you know, for surf. It's got big surf. But on, on this day, it wasn't It wasn't that rough. And there were lifeguards in the water um, and everything, but they, they just saw me fall and, and didn't think about it. Um, yeah, just a wave took my, took my feet. I was only up to my calves, but they just the wave just came in, bowled me over, um, and I went straight under up to my neck and all my camera gear around my neck and arms and everything was submerged in underwater. Yeah. 
salt water and camera equipment usually doesn't be <laughs> not good um they've actually i think canon new zealand have kept my my cameras as doorstops um <laughs> in the canon new zealand offices they've got them lying around there somewhere and my 300 is completely corroded so yeah <laughs> it's quite funny yes okay. i can laugh i can laugh about it now but at the time it was pretty oh stressful yeah so then getty come in and then give you a nice uh I, I I when I when I became a photographer with Getty, you know, I got that same that box yes, with all the yeah. the big box with all the little boxes and yeah, yeah. all with brand new Canon unopened it's packaging inside. Yeah, it very is, exciting. isn't it? Yeah, it's like Christmas. Yeah, I know yeah. Christmas when you got that new toy as a five year old. Yeah, 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 a bit like that. Yeah. Um. Uh, how how has the industry since you started? And you know, we talked about the speed of things, but how how do you think the industry is? Uh, where do you see it going? You know, obviously you've talked about moving. Um, you're doing a bit more news and entertainment. You're keeping your eye on things. You know, you're not just out there taking photos anymore. Um, how do you think it's going to change? You see, what do you see happening in the next few years? I think uh, I think the big change will come from technology and newest. Like, what's the the latest sort of um, way to photograph uh some you know an event or or a situation i think um so for instance we've been doing 360 photographs um lately of of situations and our sale sales team have really they're really pushing that at the moment with clients in terms of um the 360 thing and then that going on with um the sort of virtual reality kind of world and those virtual reality glasses, that kind of thing clients are really after down here anyway. Um, so I, I I think it's sort of – and Getty Images are quite good at this in terms of keeping up with the play um, on what what's new, what what's the latest kind of innovation, the new technology and how uh, we can sort of be different and stand out from the other agencies and other photographers. Um, Could you just explain, I mean, you know, can you just explain to us uh, your process then for 360 and what the final result is then? Just give us a bit more detail on the 360 uh, angle or 360 uh, shot that you're doing. Yeah, so it's um, a camera, it's hard to explain without it being in front of me, but um, a camera on on basically a monopod, a, a pole, and it has a mount on it um, with basically 360 degrees marked on it and so you mount your your camera and we use a I'm, I've been using an 8 to 15 mil lens shot at about 12 mil um all vertical vertically shot and you basically take four you spin the spin the camera around on the monopod taking four shots making sure you're always behind the camera so you're not in the shot um so it's really super super wide um of a landscape or a stadium or wherever you are. Um, and the, the mount on top of the monopod will click, uh, you know, for instance, when you get to 90 degrees, so you'll do it every 90 degrees, take a photo and then take a photo, a photo of the sky, sky and the ground as well. And then we send it away to, um, a company, just FTP it. Um, and they all, they stitch it all together and then it can be delivered back sort of within the hour if it's, you know, if they know about it and if we're on deadline. Um, I think that happened at the FIFA World Cup, did it? They did all yeah, those. Yeah, we had, yeah, there was the one of the FIFA months. guys. Yeah, there was a dressing room and um, before the match, you know, as the, as the, the teams walk out. Yeah. Yeah, so then, um, yeah, and the result from that picture is that uh, the client can use his computer uh, tab, whatever they're using, uh, iPad, whatever, and then they can scroll around and then they can see pretty much everything, everything 360 of view yeah, yeah 360 yeah. view of that scene so it's yeah, it is an impressive um an impressive tool for the for us to do and and for the mm-hmm. clients obviously they, they they love that kind of thing don't they yeah yeah and i i think like we had a little um we sort of had a show and tell kind of event here recently showing um people the the vr glasses the virtual reality glasses from samsung and putting the samsung phone in um and then you you put them on on your head and you literally move around. You know, you might be in the middle of um, of the Olympic Stadium during the hundred meters, and then you'll you, you'll go to an awesome landscape um, like the Grand Canyon or something. And you can just flick 
flip between all these, travel around the world <laughs> and move around all these iconic kind of um, scenes and stuff and, it, and you feel like you're right there. It's pretty awesome. Um, the, the virtual glasses are, are quite cool. Yeah, I've seen I've seen them, and obviously the the um, the, the quality of the uh, what is it called the um, the quality of the the screen itself is changing. It's moving oh, quite, yeah. quite quickly at the moment. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it, it won't be long before we have this, you know, four K or whatever they up to eight K now. I think they aren't they? They so, yeah, so yeah. If, once you have that inside, you know, it'll be hyper real and yeah, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, pretty exciting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. Well, um, look, there's, uh, I think we've pretty much got everything that uh, I really wanted to ask. Um, well, what can you just before we go? What what uh, jobs have you got coming up, and what are you what's what jobs are you looking forward to um, in the next uh, twelve months? Say. Yeah. Um, what have I got coming up? I think oh, in October I'm off to Singapore to do. Um, do a brief actually for a commercial brief for the WTA, the tenant women's tennis um, round that's coming to Singapore for the first time, I think. Um, okay, yes. So I'm, I'm shooting for the WTA um, a brief there, which will be quite cool because I love tennis. So that'll be good. Um, and yeah, obviously next year um, it's the Olympics and things. I'm, I'm not too sure if I'm going, but that's my goal. Um, really want to get to Rio and and hopefully the Paralympics as well, I, um, which I did in London, which is cool. Um, yeah, that's the, the big one next year, I guess, that everyone's working towards. Oh, wow, okay, cool. Well, um, yeah, I'm, I think I'm not you'll too be there. similar. Yeah. I'm hoping so. <laughs> yeah, you'll be there. <laughs> I'm awesome. hoping so. Yeah. yeah, I liked and the Paralympics. Uh, you know, I shot that in London, like yourself, and yeah, it was uh, it was it was amazing, wasn't it? It was such an. Oh uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It was an event that I never really thought I'd. I never really had that sort of. I must shoot that event, but yeah. um, after I'd done it, I definitely want to go back to Rio and shoot the Paralympics because it was a phenomenally, uh, picture-wise um, and emotionally, it was much. I found it much more um, intense than the actual Olympics itself. Yeah, I I've shot every. I've shot every Paralympics since Athens, I think. Um, yeah, and it's kind of my, it's sort of probably my favourite thing to shoot is, is Paralympians. Um, I love it. it. It's just really rewarding, I think, and also the athletes are so good to deal with um, compared to what you might, you know, we sort of get in our day-to-day job um, of professional athletes. But when I deal with Paralympic athletes, they actually – they want to be photographed and they want you there, you know, and it, and it makes such a difference, um, I reckon. And, yeah, and, and yeah, just the emotion that you get, um, yeah, it's a really emotional, you know, you can't help but feel something, I think, when you, when you photograph it, um, which I love. And they make for awesome pictures, re- something really different, you know, about yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent uh, with you. Like I said, I didn't didn't expect that uh, reaction. Mm. Um, so yeah, um, I'm looking forward to hope. Well, yeah, if you Steve's listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Steve's listening, hello, Steve. Can I go to Rio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can I go to Rio, please? <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, it's cool. Thank you very much, Hannah. I'll. Um, yeah. Um, thank you very much for your uh, candid conversation. It was always uh, it's always good to speak to you, and uh, yeah. we'll uh, speak soon. Uh, thank you thank very, very much. much. Thank you very much, Hannah, for taking the time for your bu- from your busy schedule to speak to me. I'm sure that photographers of all levels have learned something of benefit. Photography as an industry has many aspects, so to speak to someone who not only has to follow the news, entertainment and sport, as well as shoot amazing imagery like you do, is a side of the business that most don't get to hear about. So thank you again very much for sharing your story and knowledge with me. Fellow sports photographers, have a look at her website. HannahPetersPhotographer.com That's Hannah with a H-A-N-N-A-H PetersPhotographer.com Or at HRJohn44 on Twitter and HannahPetersNZ on Instagram. I'll put a link on the show notes for all of these, of course. On Getty Images, we have a series called In Focus 
which showcases the best select work from various photographers. I tweeted Hannah's best 25 images a month ago, and in that tweet, I mentioned that this is how a sports photographer should use light. The link, of course, will be in the show notes as well. Now you, the photography philosophy listener, thank you again for putting up with me. I hope you uh, take something from here to improve your photography or give you some ideas and inspiration to take your photography to the next level. My mission to share stories and knowledge from the men and women who make the beautiful and relevant sports photos is starting to take shape. So thank you for your kind words from some of the listeners. Special mention to Lance from South Africa. A very nice email. I hope you keep pushing your sports photography. If you have any questions, I would love to hear from more of you. So please contact me on my Twitter handle at AllSportsNapper or my website AllSportsNapper.com. My name is Dean. Thank you very much for your time. And last thing, observe, listen and practice because your best photo could be one frame away. Mm -hmm.